that Jesus Christ is born. I said, now go, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. I said, He's come. He's come. wonderful thing. Amen. Let's not forget what this, this season is about. Let's not forget that it was about our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Provider coming. What an amazing thing that the Creator of the heavens and the earth, I say it all the time, what, how awesome it is that He even knows us, but even more how awesome it is that He was willing to send His Son to pay a price that you couldn't pay. Yes, He came in a manger, but He came to pay a price that you couldn't pay the price of sin so that you can be in his presence with the one that reigns forevermore. He reigns. He reigns. And in the bleak midwinter all creation groans for a world in darkness frozen light Light is pray in a stable for a throne, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born. The King of kings and Lord of lords And He shall reign forevermore, forevermore Oh, He'll reign forevermore And if I were a wise man I will give to 
specialize in one who made the starry skies. This baby born for sacrifice, Christ the Messiah. And to our hopes and to our fears, the Savior of the world appears. The promise of eternal years, Christ the Lion. 
us adoring. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the
Father, we just come on this day, and the only reason we can come is because of that night, that day that you gave your son, for you so loved the world, that the word became flesh, the Bible says, and he dwelt among us. Lord, this is Christmas Eve service. Every, every time we gather together, Lord, it's because if we've been the only one on earth you would have come to bring about the restoration of relationship between your creation and you so we come into this house with song we come into this house with praise father the angel delivered the message and then it says a, 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 a host of angels an army of angels showed up and began to sing glory to God in the highest. And so, Lord, let us lift our voice right now with praise as if we just heard for the very first time those words that unto you is born this day a Savior. Jesus, we praise you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for being Hallelujah. that incredible gift that you came 
God, the unexpected gift. Father, we could not put a price on it. We can't even begin to measure the, the bounty of that gift that you gave in your son. And we just praise you this morning. And we give you glory and honor this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Won't you just turn and greet three or four people around you? Say hello to whomever you've not had a chance to. Introduce yourself if you don't know who they are. Hey, we're going to throw in a communion service at the end. Yeah. I didn't know if what's his name would be here to do it. So I'll need just some music or a song or something. Yeah, this one. Well, Merry Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. You know, having Christmas Eve on Sunday is tough for men. Because this is the day that they usually go shopping. And, and so many places are closed on Sunday, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, You guys, you know, I'm just kidding you. Okay, so anyway, uh, it's so good to see you uh, this morning, and I know a lot of our folks are traveling or they have families, members, and friends that are coming in, but they may be watching by way of the internet this morning, and so we welcome you. Uh, just to let you know that at the end of service today, we will be receiving communion together, and so we'll do it at the end of our service, so if you have to run out. Um, try and hold around with us just a few extra minutes so that you, we can receive communion together. It just seemed, you know, like a beautiful thing to do on this day together, all right? And uh, I want to thank you. Again, it's near the end of the year, and I thank you for your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. And we do. You know, our tithing, our tithes are the Lord's. They're not ours. They're, they're not ours to give. They belong to the Lord. And thank you for your faithfulness. And as you can see on the screen, we have multiple different ways. We have a website, a tie, a, an app, um, a text to give, and just the regular old-fashioned way, envelopes, you know, that you can do that. And the boxes are on the back wall. We don't pass a bucket or anything like that. We just believe that if, since God is faithful to us, we need to be faithful in everything that he says. And, and, and so we, we do it that way. And thank you for coming. Amen. I want to get into the message this morning. And just we're finishing a series on a gift worth today is understanding. I had something else put together. But you know what? I, I, I think that sometimes we need to just stop and re-examine what this is all about. The meaning of Christmas has been lost to most of the world today. If you ask them what Christmas is about, they'll tell you parties, bright lights, presents, you know, family, food, all those kinds of things. And look, I know that December 25th is not 
the day that Jesus Christ was born. But for those who argue about that, Christmas is the season in which we remind ourselves why Jesus came. It's a time to stop and remember why did he come? Why, why was it so important that Christmas is, is, is celebrated around the world? So I want us to unfold in the word of God today, the Bible, and try and understand God's gift. So there's going to be a little, little bit here. I'm not going to make it real deep or anything like that. But probably the best known verse in all the world is probably what? John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Better than any other book in the Bible Believe it or not, the writer of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, tells us why Christ had to come into the world. It's for one thing for us to say that Christ is the Son of God, or Christ is the Savior, or Christ is the Lord. But why? How can we, how can we justify our position? How can we reason? Everywhere that Paul went when he went into a town, it says he went into the synagogue and reasoned the gospel. He reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And so we need to be able to do that. One of the things that the writers of Hebrews says is that the, the qualifications of a Jewish high priest, there were four specific qualifications. And the high priest was the human representative of God administering sacrifices on the behalf of his a nation. And according to the law that was handed down from God to Moses, for a man to be a Jewish high priest, there were four specific certain things that he had to fulfill. And the first one was this. That the first one, he, he must be one of the people. In other words, he couldn't be an outsider. He had to be able to be one that could, he had to be a Jew. He had to be living among them. And, and for this reason, Christ, the word of God, John's gospel tells us, and the word became flesh to dwell among us. This was required if he was going to be our high priest. Because where does he sit now after he ascended to the heaven? He sits on the right hand of God, interceding as our great high priest. So he had to be one of the people, okay? The second one was he must be faithful in ministry. And I'm not going to read all the references. Some of them we'll look at, but you, they're up on the screen. Not only he had to be a servant, not only to God, but he had to be a servant to the people. And then he had to be appointed by God. And then he had to be cleansed from all sin, all right? The he, writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus met all those conditions and there were four specific reasons that Jesus came. I wanted to keep it that simple. And I, I, I had it, well, the reason that God became flesh. But I want to tell you why Jesus came, why he came into the world. And the first one was simply to recapture our lost destiny. And again, we're going back to the book of Hebrews. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. It is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. 
But there is a place where someone has testified, what is, that, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Stop and think about that for a minute. What, who are we that God should be even be mindful of us? Who are we that God should even care for us? I mean, we, he created us. He gave us everything, and yet we turned our backs and sinned against him. And it says, but who, what is man that God should be mindful of us? And then verse 7 says, you made him, speaking of Jesus, a, a little lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. We just sang that, glory and honor, power forever is yours, it's yours, it's yours. He says, he, you made him a little, he says, in putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Did you see that? God left nothing that is not subject to him. And yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. In other words, this is a done deal. It's, it's done. It is settled by what Christ did. In the beginning, Adam sinned against God. And when he sinned against God, we, the human race, lost the destiny that God had given to us. God's plan was that his creation made in his image, we would be dominant, we would rule over the, and govern the things of the earth. But when Adam sinned, the Bible says that he lost power, he lost that authority, and by so we lost that authority that God had given. But look at verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Verse 9 is telling us this. He tells us that God sent Jesus to restore that which Adam and Eve lost through their sin and rebellion. And we see three basic ideas here, that man was created to have dominion or rulership over the things of the earth, but through sin, instead, instead of dominating, man suffered. Man was defeated. And instead of dominating, and we were now ruled by a dictator. Think about that. We were to govern and rule the earth in the name of God. But because of sin, we were no longer a ruler, but we were ruled by a dictator, and that dictator was sin. We went from victory into defeat, and it's in that area of defeat, or the, the time of defeat of mankind, that Jesus comes to restore that authority to us. The second reason that Jesus came into the world was to experience our trials. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 through 13, he says, I'm in bringing many sons to glory. In other words, that is bringing back to right relationship is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. By what Christ did, he said, by him bringing back many people into right relationship God with God, he said, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, 
should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Author means, is, the word there is, means a trailblazer. The author of salvation, the one who blazed the trail for salvation for all of the human race, he was made perfect by his blood through his suffering upon the cross. He says, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are the same family. My friends, if Christmas is about family, I want you to get this. The one who is holy and the ones who are made holy are of the same family. I know the enemy at times he speaks to us and he tries to tell us we're not worthy. He tries to tell us that we failed one too many times. He tries to tell us we'll never live up to the call. He tries to discourage us. He tries to bring despair. But I stand on the word of God that the one who is holy and those who are made holy by his sacrifice, we are one family. And family sticks together. It says, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. And I love verse 12. I've referenced this many times over the years. But verse 12 says, and he says, who's he? Jesus. I will declare your name, speaking of the Father, to my brothers in the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. Did you see that? Because when we gather in his name, there he is in the midst of us. He says, I will declare your name. And when Moses asked God, he says, I want, I want to see your glory. He said, you can't see it and live. But he put him in the cleft of the rock. And what did he do as he, as he went by? And, the, and, and God traveling at the speed of light, because God is light, the Bible says. And all that Moses saw but what he heard were the names of God. And he heard the, 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 the very declaration of who God is. And I think that was for Moses to understand that oh, he could pass that on to the people. I want to tell you that when we gather together and worship together, it's don't take that lightly. Don't take that is uh, unmeaningful. The Bible says that when we gather and worship and praise, he says he will come and declare his name. And I really believe that Jesus comes in our midst, in the midst of true worship, and he begins to declare his name. He says, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your deliverer. I am the Lord, your savior. I am the Lord, your provider. I am the Lord, your counselor. I am the Lord. And he goes on and he's declaring it. Because see, you're sitting there and you have a need. He's your provider. You're sitting there and you're needing comfort. He's your comforter. You're sitting there and you need deliverance. He's your deliverer. And he goes through us. See, when we worship together, he said, I will not be ashamed to declare your name to my brothers. Wow. We need to understand that. 
It's not just singing a few words off the wall. It's not singing a few songs and killing time so that the latecomers get here in time. It's more than that. He comes in our midst and he doesn't just say, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. No, there's more to it, my friends. There's more to it. And verse 13 says, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. There's three things the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us right here. And the first one deals with identification, identity. Boy, identity today is a big thing. I got an email yesterday, said, we just found your information on the dark web and you want to check this out. And man, and I clicked it and sure enough, they had, they had just about everything. How many of you got something like that just recently? I mean, you know, it's just identification. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest things that they're trying to steal nowadays is your identity. That's what the enemy wants to do too. He wants to steal your identity. If you're born again by the Spirit of God and the Spirit lives in you, you are a child of God. You are a son and daughter of the most righteous one. Don't let him take your identity. God would identify with us by becoming a man. He was, this was, you have to understand, this is totally different from the idea of God that the Greeks gave civilization. The Greeks thought of God as detached from man. If you're familiar with Greek mythology, the gods would sit on Mount Olympus and look down on man. They were separated. They were, but the Christian teaching of God is that he would identify us with us, with you and with me. He not only lived among us, but now he lives within us. So he, he's talking about identification. He's also talking about compassion. And then the third thing he, the writer's talking about is salvation. See, the compassion is that he comes alongside us. He doesn't stand afar off. You know, in today's day and age on social media, somebody puts out a prayer request and we just click, click the praying hands. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's all right. That's cool. But do you pray? Or are you just clicking the icon and scrolling to the next thing? Man, I, I, I may click pray, praying hands and a heart or praying, 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 praying. And then I just stop right then and there and I pray. Doesn't have to be like a two-hour prayer. But I said, God, I just pray for so-and-so right now. Step in that situation. God, you know what needs to be done. But we, 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 we when people are hurting, they sound off and we'll, we'll send hearts. We'll send whatever, like a care, oh, a hug, whatever. Do we really have compassion? Jesus had compassion. And salvation deals with the price that had to be paid. See, the reason the writer talks about the angels, this is, you may not know this, but let me just briefly tell you about this. He says that Christ was made a little lower than the angels. Why was that important? Because in the old teaching of cultures and things is that angels 
were the mediators for man. And angels would go to God and tell him what the situation was, as if God wouldn't know. And then angels would come and mediate for us. They would intervene for us. And they would, they, the writer of Hebrews is trying to point out that Christ was made a little lower than the angels. He's breaking that angel barrier, if I could kind of put it that way. Why? Why that? Was he made lower than the angels? Because angels cannot identify with you and me. Angels, I don't think angels can stub their toe in the middle of the night. I don't think angels can have their heart broken by words that someone says out of cruelty. I don't think, I know for a fact that they can. And so Christ was made a little lower. What was he made? Like us, like us, because he needed to be able to identify the trials and the pains and the temptations and things that we experience. You know, in life, there are three kinds of suffering. I, 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 the, the first one is the kind we can't avoid. How many of you have ever made a wrong choice and you've paid a price for it? Come on, yeah. Yeah, there, 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 there's suffering we can't avoid. But then there's the kind you cannot avoid. What do I mean by that? It just, it just, it's part of life's package. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. When, you know, when, when we look at something that uh, tragically that happens, you know, when, when I was a young Christian, the devil got the credit for everything bad that happened. My folks, he, he, he's not that good. I mean, what I mean by that is he's not that powerful. They're just things that happen in life. Some things happen because people have a wrong spirit. We're, we're, we're sinners born into this world before Christ comes into our lives. Things just happen. As Adam and Eve sinned, we see that second kind of suffering, the kind that could not be avoided. Because, but God reached down from heaven and he called out to them and said that even though I'm a holy God and you're unholy, he said, I'm willing to go the extra mile basically to, to restore my creation. And it's this same God who's willing to go the extra mile even today because he sent his son on the day that we call Christmas to be one of us so that he can understand. And when we call out to him, he says, Father, I understand what they're feeling. Here's what they need at this moment. He can identify with us. And then there's a third kind of suffering, and that third kind is the kind that we must not avoid. You think, why would I want not to avoid suffering? Why? Because it's the kind of suffering that if we go through it, it will make us better. It will cause us to grow. I know people, their whole life, they're running from trouble. It seems like trouble follows them. But most of the time, it's they're creating it, then they run from it. And instead of stopping and facing it head on and answering for it, they blame everybody else. And today we live in a victim society where everybody's the victim because everybody doesn't, you know, they have it in for me and, and poor me, poor me, poor me, that kind of thing. 
Well, the kind of suffering that could not be avoided was the kind that Jesus had to face. He had to die on a cross. But he knew that this was the only way that his creation, the human race, could actually be restored back to him. He knew that this was the only way every man, woman, and child could have an opportunity for eternal salvation. It was that suffering that allows us to experience forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but I remember the moment that Christ forgave me. I did not understand it all. I, I had no clue. I didn't know a verse in this Bible. But when Christ came to me, the weight of the world on my life lifted. I felt it lift. I wish I had known so that I could explain it. But I'm telling you, God meets us where we are. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be to a certain level of spirituality for God to be able to save you, to redeem you, to bring a salvation to your life? He meets us where we are. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 from the um, NCV, it says, For God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. And he wanted to have many children share his glory. So he made the one who leads people to salvation perfect through suffering. The third reason Jesus came was to release us from bondage. You could literally change that word bondage to, to slavery. Because the bondage we had was the bondage of sin. You might say, oh, I'm a free man. I'm a free person. I don't serve anybody. You serve somebody. I guarantee you, you serve somebody. Bob Dylan wasn't wrong. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the numerical standard says this, So then as the children share in flesh and blood, he himself took, likewise took part in these, so that through death he might render powerless. And I've under, un, underlined those two words there, render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. That, that, that phrase, render powerless, is written in a tense that means it's, it's past tense, it's done, okay? Now, I don't know about you, grammar was not my big thing in school, but I understood basic tenses. Now, when you get into all those things, like somebody help me out, like future, yeah, yeah, future perfect whatever, you know. The future's going to be perfect. That's all I know in Jesus, okay? But I understand past tense, present tense, and future tense, okay? This word, render powerless, that he had, it says that, that so that through death he might render powerless. It's literally written in a past tense, meaning he's already done it. 
He's rendered powerless. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and, and, and rose from the dead, he stripped Satan of his power in the area of death. He's already done it, folks. We do not have to defeat Satan because he's already defeated. God has not called us to defeat demons and defeat Satan. He's called us to stand in the authority of his name and declare the freedom of the gospel in Jesus Christ. So when, when Jesus died and was raised again, he ripped from the hands of Satan the fear of death. It was completely taken away from him. I have stood with people at their bedside who are about to take their last breath. And I know those who have a relationship with God because I see the peace of God in their eyes. And I know those who don't because I see the fear of God, the fear of death gripping them. I will never forget, I was on staff at church in the Thibodeau, Louisiana, and I got a call from a lady who attended a small group that I did, and she said, I have a family member, he's about to die. Will you please get up here to the hospital? So I took off to the hospital quickly. I walked in and there was about 20 people in there and this man was on oxygen, he was, he was gasping, fighting for a breath even with an oxygen machine. And, and when I walked in, all those people walked out because they, they knew who I was, they didn't want anything to do with me. They, 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 were, he, they said, he's not of our faith. And so I walked in and the lady told me, said he, the doctor said the next breath could be his last one. So I walk over to him and there's a man looking back at me and I'm telling you, if I've ever seen fear of death in anybody's eye, it was in his eyes. He's looking back at me with that oxygen mask on and he's, I mean, with, with the mask on. So I said, sir, do you know that you're dying? And I waited for him to respond, and he shook his head. I said, do you know that when you die, you are going to stand before a holy God? And I went just concisely through it. I said, we are born into sin. Sin has taken hold of our lives. There is only one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. You must repent of those sins. God has given you this opportunity. I went through the whole thing. I said, would would, would you like to pray with me right now like the thief on the cross? I told him about the thief on the cross who, who prayed right at that moment said, remember me. I said, would you like to pray right now? Because your, your next breath could be the last one. And he, and he lifted his mask and he said, go to hell. I, I had hair stand on my head that I don't have. I just, he put the mask back on. I said, sir, do you understand what I just said? He shook his head. I said, then, sir, it will be you that goes to hell. And I walked out of the room, and as I opened the door and I walked out, I heard the machine flatline. Family came running in. That lady came to me. She goes, did he pray? I said, he told me to go to hell. She said, 
Maybe God saved his soul. I said, no, ma'am. I said, no. I said, because he didn't have two more breaths. And with that attitude, he, he, he put his address of where he wanted to spend eternity. I'm just telling you, I've seen the fear of death in people's eyes. But because Jesus died and rose from the grave, we who are followers of Christ need not fear death. I said we need not fear it. Why? Because the Bible says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all, say all, all will be made alive. There's no exclusion. There's no, you know, parentheses in there. There's well, most of them or anything like All who believe will made alive. Christ's resurrection from the dead guarantees our resurrection from the dead. John chapter 10, verse 27, 28. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And the last reason that Jesus came was to restore us from defeat. I already stated that we were lost and we were battered and we were bruised and we were living in sin. But Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 tells us, for this reason he had been made like his brothers. In this reason, I love it when the writer just says, for this reason. I don't have to wonder, go, I wonder why he did that. He says, for this reason, he was made like this. And to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And again, we see that qualification for priesthood because it says that he ministered unto God, but he ministered unto the people. Jesus is the gift worth understanding. My friends, Jesus is the gift worth understanding. It's the reason we have the old saying that came out, what, two decades ago? He's the reason for the season. He's the, if without Jesus Christ, there is no Christmas. There isn't one. He said, oh boy, you could still give, give. what's the point? Christmas would not be on the calendar. Look, church, a church cannot save you. Angels cannot save you. Money and good works cannot save you. The Christmas story tells us that Christ, a Savior, was born. He came as a Savior to the world. And so Jesus came not just to tell us that God loves us, but to show us how much God loves us. Jesus understands us. He's walked with us. He does walk with us. He's walked on this earth, but he's with us now. He understands us better than we know ourselves. And the greatest Christmas present or gift that anyone could ever receive or give is to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. I want us to pray right now. And if you've not surrendered your life to Christ, I'm, I, may, I know most of you in here, I know you have a relationship with God, 
But there may be someone who is here that does not have that relationship. Or someone who's watching by way of the internet that realizes their life has fallen short of what God intended for us. And the Bible says that you simply must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, lived a life without sin. He died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, then he was raised again from the dead. He paid the price because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness, remission of sins. If you believe those things in your heart and confess them with your mouth, the Bible says, then you can understand and receive the greatest gift of Christmas. So I invite you to pray with me right now. If you're ready to repent and surrender your life. Repent doesn't mean be sorry. Repent means to have a change of thinking that results in a change of action. And the change of thinking comes from what I've shared with you from God's word, that we are in need of a savior. That's what the angels declared to the shepherds that night. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ, the anointed one, the Lord. So right where you're at, you ready to make a fresh start, receive God's greatest gift. Just pray with me right now. Dear God in heaven, I thank you for bringing me to this place this day. And I fully admit that my plans for my life haven't turned out the way I intended. But I know you are calling me today. Thank you for loving me enough not to give up on me. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender control of all my hopes and dreams, every aspect of my life. I give to you this day. My life, I give as a gift to the one who is worthy of every gift for the price that he paid for me. I thank you, God, that in this moment, my guilt is replaced with the gift of forgiveness and my worries are replaced with the gift of peace and the fear of death is now replaced with the gift of eternal life I'm yours from this day forward, Jesus. I ask in your holy name. Amen. But Father, I don't know who 
when, where, but I know that your word does not come back empty. It goes out and comes back fulfilling its purpose. So I pray that anyone who has heard these words, whatever time frame, doesn't matter, God speak to their hearts, change their life for the glory of your name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Ushers, why don't you come at this time and help us in receiving communion this morning. The Bible says that we are to examine our hearts before receiving communion together. cups together the cup with the little piece of bread is underneath just take those two together hold them until everybody's been served please Everybody been served who wishes to participate? I know this is a family service today, and so there may be some children here who want to participate with their parents. Parents, that's your choice. We welcome them if that's your choice. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the believers in the city of Corinth, he wrote to them, and he said, I received of the Lord that which I delivered to you, that on the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. When we take this small wafer, it is a simple reminder of the greatest price and the greatest gift given to all mankind. God's Son. The Word of God says that no one took his life. He willingly laid down his life. He did that for you. And for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for me. He chose to do that. And so when we take this little bread, we're reminded of that moment when he gave up his last breath and said, it is finished. Father, we thank you that on this Christmas Eve service, we celebrate the gift that is so worth understanding. And we celebrate that gift in the receiving of this bread. Jesus, we do this in remembrance of that gift, that night, that day that you gave yourself. Without qualification, you laid down your life. And all we can do is say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I would hate to think where I would be if I haven't had you in my life the last 53 years. We praise you, Lord. We receive this bread together in your name. Amen. You can take the bread. It says, in the same manner, Christ took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And it says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Those of you that know me, when I take this cup, I see it forward looking. The body and blood was what he did in the past. But it says here that we do it, we proclaim it until he comes. When I lift this cup, I'm saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm waiting. I'm looking. I'm, I'm with joy looking forward to your return. When we shall be one with him in heaven. And Jesus said that there we shall take it together with him. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the future that is secure in his life and through his resurrection. His life, death, and resurrection satisfied the price. It's secured. It's cemented in place our future. So, Jesus, we take this cup looking for the day when all who have believed in you will once again rejoice 
and take the cup together. And we do this until you come again, Lord Jesus. Amen. You can take the cup. And if you're able to, why don't you just stand right now? Let's just take a moment or two to just worship the Lord, to give Him thanks. Shall reign forevermore, forevermore. He shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Here within. Major lies, the one who made the starry skies, his body sacrifice, Christ the Messiah, bring our hopes into our fears, the Savior of the world appears, the of eternal years, Christ the Messiah. Shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He shall reign forevermore, you don't believe that Wednesday night I shared some testimonies from last Sunday of how God touched some families and some lives and uh, I was remiss in forgetting to pass along another testimony I was told two weeks ago Gloria told me that her brother that we prayed for right who had cancer they didn't how long has it been now? About two weeks? 
had a scan, no cancer. In Jesus' name. It was there, and now it's gone. Hallelujah. Come on now. I mean, that's why he came. He's Lord of lords and King of kings over every situation. A child is born, King of kings and Lord of lords. He shall reign forevermore, forevermore. If you need prayer this morning, whatever, maybe a physical touch in your body, it might be for some other need, maybe an unspoken need, I invite you to come right now. We'll pray for you before we release you and send you on your way. We want to pray for you. Come on. I want some some of the prayer team members to come. Come and pray. Come on. Staff members, come on. Those who are needing prayer, stand in a straight line so we know who wants prayer and who needs prayer. Come on. The rest of you keep worshiping the Lord. Come on. Yes, go ahead. Let's start praying with them right here. I'm going to go down the line and just anoint them with oil. Those that are behind them, you just begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Touch my brother right now in obedience to your word, Lord God. In obedience to your word, we anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith. In Jesus' name. Right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Touch her. Right now, we just agree together. We touch that thing, Lord God, that situation, that circumstance right now. In Jesus' name, he is Lord over it. He's Lord over it. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, we pray right now, Jesus. Mm. We submit that to you, Lord, right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Right now, Jesus' name. Right now, Lord God. Holy Spirit. Right now. Jesus. Holy Ghost. Right 
Jesus. Jesus. of the Lord go before you that his angels surround you I pray for divine interventions that would come across your paths that you would be instruments of the most high God there are still Christmas awakenings yet to take place we've had testimonies of several that have taken place in the last three to four weeks, but there are still more to take place. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit telling me that. Do not forget that when you are with family and friends, especially those who do not know him, there will be moments to tell them why Jesus came. Don't lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of it. I bless you in his name. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.